0: Hello and welcome to Talking Sports with TK. I am Tommy Chrysan, glad to be here, glad to have you there. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I ask you to please share it with all of your friends. This episode, sports takes. Yeah, I'll be joined by Trey Blossman. We're going to talk a little LSU football, an announcement about the attendance capacity at the Tigers' season opener on the West Coast in the Rose Bowl against UCLA on September 4th. we got an announcement about that for you. Trey Blossman's got a lot of thoughts and observations on the NBA. We'll also talk a little bit about sports on TV. Uh, The NBA, ESPN, their popularity and ratings continue to go in a downward trend. We got some thoughts on that, some hard-hitting takes on that as well. And we're going to give a shout-out to LSU Track and Field. The men's team wins a national title last week out in Eugene, Oregon. Track and field doesn't get a whole lot of talk. I'm guilty of that. But, man, what a program. And we'll give them a shout-out near the end of this episode as well. Hey, look, we're getting closer to football. We're in the middle of June. Connect with me on social media. I've got some big things coming up during football. Big, big things trying to make you some money. Tommy Chrysan, K-R-Y-S-A-N. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. I need you to subscribe. And I am the oldest dude on TikTok. Check it all out. I'm happy to connect with you. Let's hear a message from our host, Anchor, who puts together this podcast for you. Then we'll be back. We'll be joined by Trey Blossman for another episode of Sports Takes right here. I'm Tommy Christ, and you are listening to Talking Sports with TK. Stay tuned. We continue with Talking Sports with TK. I am Tommy Chrysan, about to be joined by Trey Blossman for this episode of Sports Takes. Once again, please like and share this podcast with all of your friends. Trey Blossman, good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing fine, Tommy. Doing fine. Hey, we're in the middle of June. SEC football media day is a little over a month away, July 19 to 22. But it was announced today, a little announcement regarding the LSU football season opener on the West Coast against UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Tigers have never played in the Rose Bowl Stadium. And uh, this is going to be 100% capacity now. Tickets on the secondary market are already roughly 500 bucks. At Saturday, September 4th, 7.30 Louisiana time kickoff on Fox. The Tigers in the Rose Bowl. And Trey, I know I'm not going. I know you're not going. But I think there'll be a pretty good number of LSU fans who will make this trip. You know, sure
1: they will. Tiger fans are greatly looking forward to the new season after, uh, I wouldn't call it a debacle, but let's call it the disappointment of last season following the 2019 championship tiger fans are ready to rock. It's a good matchup, uh, against a traditional national power, even if they haven't been that lately, UCLA always has talent. They, uh, they're going to be a good football team. It's a good opening matchup for the tigers. I do expect the tigers to win. We'll get more on that later, but yeah, I agree. I think a lot of tiger fans will go, uh, I went to the 1984 game against USC in the Coliseum. My entire family went out, and we had a fabulous time. I don't know if anybody in my family is going to this game or not. I haven't heard any conversation about that. But in all likelihood, uh, at least one of my brothers or more will be heading out there. I know when we played Arizona State uh, after Katrina, uh, three or four of my brothers and my dad went to that game. We, We usually... Uh, have some travelers i I don't go to the home games anymore so i'm certainly not going to travel to california to watch them play but uh I, i am very much looking forward to that
0: opening game and it'll be the first lsu football game with full capacity attendance since the pandemic thing the 2019 season you referenced a few minutes ago and like you said we got plenty of time to talk about that going forward but wanted to mention that uh attendance thing announcement that was just given out uh, a little earlier today Trey Blossman you've always got your eye on the NBA full speed ahead in the playoffs I want to get some NBA commentary and your thoughts and observations as the playoffs roll on in the NBA
1: well I'll tell you that uh Phoenix Suns looked really good in their dismantling of the Denver Nuggets. Before Jamal Murray got hurt late in the season, I thought Denver was the team to beat. I thought they were the best team in the NBA. Uh, Murray is a guy who can score 40, 50 points on any given night. If he needs to, he's uh, a lot like Booker at Phoenix. He, He can really score the ball. And obviously, Denver is missing him. They had other injuries as well. P.J. Dozier has still been out. They uh, they just weren't up to Phoenix with the injury problem. And uh, that's unfortunate because I really thought Denver was looking good until that injury. But injuries are a part of basketball, and they're playing a big role in the playoffs here. Uh, the Suns, by the way, dis, uh, dismissed Denver four games to nothing. They're waiting for the winner of the Jazz Clippers series. And it appears their mix of young talent, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Devin Booker, we just mentioned, Bridges, Campaign, Cam Johnson, and veterans Chris Paul and Jay Crowder have provided to be a, uh, they're proving to be a lethal combination. And uh, it's going to be hard to beat those guys. They are really playing well right now, but there's some teams that want to take them on. Two of them are the Jazz and the Clippers. Home team has won all four games so far in that series. Game five will continue, I think, tomorrow night. Uh, Jazz, Mike Conley has been out. Uh, That's proven to be a problem for them. They need to get him back in and playing as the Clippers have woken up in their two home games since getting beat two games in Utah. Uh, I, I think that goes Seven games, probably, the way it's looking. I still like the Jazz to win, but if they don't get Conley back, they may lose to the Clippers. In the East, man, the Nets, in their first two games against the Bucks looked like world beaters. Now, they've come back to earth. That series is tied 2-2, going to Game 5 tonight. Kyrie Irving is out. James Harden, who has been out for the Nets, this morning was listed as Questionable. By noontime, he was listed as doubtful, and now he's listed as a game-time decision. He's going to do the shoot-around, as I understand it, and if he feels good enough, he's going to play tonight. I think the Nets will need him. The the Bucs have to have some renewed confidence after winning games three and four at home. That should be a good series, but again, injury's a factor there, as they have been in many of these playoffs. The Sixers and the Hawks are tied 2-2 after the Hawks drew even last night. Joel Embiid went out late in the game with an injury. His status is listed as day-to-day. It's unfortunate that injuries are playing such a role in these playoffs, Tommy. But nonetheless, I have found the basketball on the court that has been played to be very exciting to watch. And I'll be watching the Nets and the Bucks game five tonight.
0: So it's safe to say that injuries playoff-wide have kind of been the prevailing story on top of the fact that you said there's still been some pretty darn good basketball being played. Yeah, well, you know, the Lakers
1: got knocked out. Anthony Davis wasn't healthy for them, and that certainly was a factor there. The way the Suns are playing, I think the Suns would have beat them anyway, but, you know, we go back to the 2019 playoffs, Golden State was decimated by injuries, and Wound up losing to a Toronto team that was better than a lot of people thought. But certainly injuries played a major role there. Uh, And, you know, Tommy, when I was younger, I don't remember so many injuries. Or maybe guys were just tougher and they played hurt.
0: I think there's something to be said for guys were tougher and they played hurt. And I think that's the case Across the board football basketball baseball i'll even throw hockey in there although neither one of us follow that very closely and i think in part because guys are making so much money it then becomes a double-edged sword the team playing the guy all the money does not want to risk further injury and then the guy who's making all the money you know he wants to stay healthy And, you know, work on that next contract or or whatever it might be. So I think there's a a softness that has kind of, you know, settled in in professional sports in the last decade. I'll just throw the the 10 year watermark out there uh, for those reasons that I've mentioned. And then a, a variety of other things, doctors and training and medical staffs on all teams, you know, they're not going to risk, you know, they they don't want to, you know, make the wrong diagnosis or prognosis. So, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution, just like the doctor in in your local town, when you go see him, he's going to err on the side of caution. And, and I think that's what's happening, and, and, you know, gone are the days of the guy toughing it out and, and sucking it up, or, you know, Willis Reed coming limping that, that, out of the, the locker room. That's the first name. That was the first name that was going to come to mind for me, so. You know, and then with the Knickerbockers in the NBA back in the early 70s, he come running out of the locker room, you know, and, and uh, you yeah, know, limping, and he got out there, you know, Kurt uh, Schilling with the – blood on the sock and wouldn't come out the game. I mean, we could go on and on and I'm sure hockey's got its share of stories, but it's just, uh, it's just kind of the way things are now that it's a multi-billion dollar operation, uh, the world of professional sports. And that has trickled down into the collegiate level and probably even in the high school level to a degree. But, but I, I, you know, you follow the NBA a lot closer than I, but I'm glad to hear that you say, and there's still some good basketball on the court for the fans of the NBA, although their TV ratings and their popularity just continues to go in the wrong direction. Well, again,
1: they made their bed. They're having to sleep in it. Uh, They are dialing it back a little bit, if you will, but it's still there, and when it was prominent, it was so strong, it, it, it turned a lot of fans off. I know a lot of people aren't watching my sons love basketball. They all played basketball. I used to be part of a season ticket holder group for the uh, New Orleans team before they were the pelicans. <laughs> and for many years, we went to those games. But my boys don't watch anymore. They, you know, and they're not nearly as into politics and affected by politics as I am, but yet they still quit watching. I watch because. Well, as I said, I'm not watching the news. I got to do something at night. I've been watching NBA basketball. And, uh, I, uh, as I said, I tune out when they start talking about the social justice stuff, I'll, I'll change games. And if I can't find a game that they're just letting them play basketball, I'll watch food network or something. But, uh, I do enjoy most of the on court play in the NBA that some of the greatest athletes in the world, uh, But again, uh, and I agree with you, I think that they've gone soft. Uh, I think (laughs) that you could take whoever's going to win the championship this year and you could put them up against the late 80s, early 90s Detroit Pistons or Chicago Bulls, they they would get
0: creamed. It wouldn't even be close. It wouldn't even be close. It would would actually be laughable. And here's an example of, why the nba is losing followers and i'm kind of blindsiding you with this i think you're going to be aware of it do you know that there's now an a, the kareem abdul jabbar award given by the nba and it goes to the player who most exemplifies kareem abdul jabbar's uh thoughts on civil rights is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard of first off everybody's entitled to an opinion but your opinion on civil rights is subjective. So and then it becomes subjective of who's mostly agreeing with you. This is all part of what the NBA has done when they painted the Black Lives Matter on the court and, and they're trying to address all these things. It goes back to what you just said. You tune in to watch basketball. You tune in to watch the greatest players in the world play the game. You don't want the other stuff, and it boggles my mind that the NBA hadn't figured out that uh, 95%, and that's a guess by me, of the people turn on a game to watch basketball. They don't want to hear about civil rights, social justice. they got plenty of other places you can engage in all of that uh, rhetoric if you want. Not during a basketball game.
1: No, uh, the NBA has been and continues to be
0: tone deaf on that issue, and they're paying the price, no doubt well, about and, it. Well, and, and, and so is so is ESPN, who I just read an article an hour ago. In the last seven years, they've had like twenty five key people that have left ESPN. By key people, I mean uh, Sports Center guys guys who had shows like a Mike Golick, and I mean, we could go on and on. And all of it is because those guys wouldn't take the extreme far-left slant that ESPN wanted them. Not that they weren't on the left, but they didn't go overboard with it. They wanted to report to sports, comment on sports, give their thoughts and observations, and they didn't want to mix. They didn't want to blur the lanes. And uh, and now, you know, uh, Neil Everett's the latest one to be sent away from ESPN. All when their contracts expire – Quote unquote, Kenny Maine. I mean, again, there's a long list of them. It's not, and you've heard of just about all of them. But uh, and again, ESPN and the NBA just don't get it. Now, of course, they are partners to a large degree, corporate wise. So, hey, you know, but you know what? I don't, I choose not to watch. You do because you want to watch the basketball. I'm watching baseball now because of baseball. I don't like a lot of things going on with the game, but I enjoy watching that pitcher try to get that batter out or seeing a team turn a nice double play or a diving catch in left center field. I love all of that, you know, throw to catcher, throwing a guy out stealing. So that's why I watch. And I'm like you, a lot of these games now have turned into talk shows. Announce the damn game. That's what I want to know. Give me info about the players, the team, what's coming up, all this good stuff. There've been, there've been times, Trey, in the last month, when I've had a baseball game on late at night and these announcers start with their talk show, as I call it, I'm putting on a rerun of Married with Children or Law and Order SVU. I mean, I'm just not going to listen to that crap. Well, there you go. If I want to listen to that crap, I'll turn on one of the the dozens of news outlets, left, right, conservative, progressive, whatever you want to call it. I would turn on one of them if I want that. Our sports, our sports center. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I are of the age when sports center was a key part of our lives. We planned our evening around it, our day around it, our Sundays around it. Not anymore. And I think we we, we're representative of a large group of people. And they say they're going after the younger generation. That ain't working either. Well, Tommy,
1: for decades, the 10 p.m. Central Time Sports Center was my most watched show on TV. I I waited for 10 every night waiting to watch that show. Now, when I do watch a live game on ESPN and the game ends and the sports center broadcast begins, I'm usually off of that within five or 10 minutes. You know, I, I don't automatically just change the channel, but as soon as they finish interviewing a player after that game that just ended and they go into their other sports, I'm done. You know,
0: I, well, I might stay in real. after an I, NBA
1: game to hear what Chris Paul has to say. But uh, once they're done with that, I, I'm done with Sports Center. As
0: soon as the game's over now, I'm switching to Van Morrison, uh, John Prine, Eddie Spaghetti, Peter Frampton, whomever, and just listening to some tunes. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, he's well, a smart guy, Tom. <laughs> well, Trey, as we wrap it up, I do want to mention it, it doesn't get talked about enough to. The outstanding track and field program, men and women at LSU, Coach Dennis Shaver. Uh, Last week, they won the men's outdoor track and field national title in Eugene, Oregon, right on the heels of the baseball team winning the Eugene regional. It was a purple and gold kind of thing in Eugene, Oregon for uh, two weeks out there. But tip of the hat to them, that's the 32nd national team title combining the men and the women for LSU track and field and doesn't get enough tension, but the the people in the world of college track and field know what kind of program LSU has. And it, it is one of the best in the nation by far. Uh,
1: it continues to be a dominant program and uh, th- they won the men's championship pulling away, running away, Tommy.
0: A large margin. Yeah. It, was one yeah, it large... wasn't
1: even close. Yeah. 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 It was like
0: they had the cigar lit long before the, the final gun you know it didn't so. come down to that last relay that's for sure <laughs> it did not <laughs> nobody had to worry about somebody dropping the baton hey trey as always we appreciate it we encourage folks to share this podcast with all of their friends and uh we look forward to doing it again soon and trey we're we're a little over a month away from ed o speaking on day one of the lsu football media days
1: looking forward
0: to it tommy